chapter twenty nine of geographical reader europe by frank g carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b chapter twenty nine in the capital of austria-hungary before we go out to explore vienna i want to tell you something about the great country of which it is the capital austria-hungary is larger than any land we have yet visited it is the largest country of europe except russia and it has more different nations in it than any other you may think its people are much like the germans so they are in the western part through which we have passed and also here in vienna but in bohemia at the north they have a different language near russia they speak the polish and on the borders of italy they speak italian austria has thousands of schools where the children are taught in the czech tongue and other thousands where they speak the slav in hungary it is even worse there are many there who speak magyar and many who talk like our gypsies other dialects are almost turkish there are so many strange languages that if we leave the main travelled roads we shall need a new guide every day we shall find the people are as odd as their speech for they are of many races joined together under one ruler there are in all more than forty millions of them and they are a very great nation indeed the austro-hungarians have one of the richest countries of europe although it is not so fully developed as those through which we have travelled the land is one of many mountains and two very large plains the mountains comprise the eastern alps or the tyrol where the scenery is much like that of switzerland and the transylvanian and carpathian mountains which are wilder as well as smaller ranges all the mountains contain minerals including coal iron gold silver quicksilver lead copper and zinc some have great beds of salt and others deposits of sulphur bismuth and alum some are also covered with dense forests in which are bears wolves deer and wild hogs at the north surrounded by hills in the upper basin of the elbe is the plateau of bohemia it is very near the thickly populated district of saxony which we visited after leaving berlin here the land is densely populated there are many factories glassworks and other industries supported by the coal and other minerals nearby at the south in the basin of the danube partially walled in by the carpathian and transylvanian mountains is the vast plain of hungary which produces so much wheat rye corn and barley that it is called the granary of europe it feeds millions of sheep hogs and cattle and raises foodstuffs for export not one of the other countries we have visited raises enough food for its own people austria-hungary not only supplies its own people but is able to sell meat flour and grain to switzerland italy germany france and england it is rapidly growing as a manufacturing country and although it is in the heart of southern europe with only a small strip of seacoast it has a large trade with other nations it has two thriving ports at the head of the adriatic sea in the cities of trieste and fiume and by the danube it sends grain down to the black sea and out through the bosporus to all parts of the world at vienna we learn how the empire is governed the two states of which it is composed are independent of each other in most things but they have only one ruler as to national affairs do you remember any other part of europe which is governed in this way we found the same thing in norway and sweden but the people there were of one race 
here as we have seen they are of many different races and hence are less closely joined austria and hungary form the austro-hungarian monarchy which is a union of the austrian empire and the hungarian kingdom under a ruler who has the titles of the emperor of austria and the king of hungary the ruler is required to spend part of the year in each country his home in austria is at its capital vienna and in hungary at budapest the capital of that country he has palaces in both places but exercises far more power over the austrians than over the hungarians each country has its own congress elected by the vote of its people and it therefore governs itself although for defense and for dealings with other nations it is united in a combined monarchy for instance one minister represents the two countries at washington take a look at your map and notice the extensive frontier of austria-hungary it is almost as long as the distance from california to china the monarchy is surrounded by other nations its only strip of seacoast being upon the narrow adriatic sea with italy just over the way the result is that large fortresses and a great army are required to defend it we shall meet almost as many soldiers here as in germany every man belongs to the army and must be ready to go out to fight at any time so that if war were declared four million soldiers could at once be put into the field it costs a vast amount to support such large armies and the people must therefore pay heavy taxes is it not a fine thing for us that our country is off by itself and so protected by the oceans that we can get along with few soldiers but let us start out for a ride through vienna here we are on ring street the wide avenue which surrounds the heart of the city it is a broad street about two miles in length with double rows of linden trees in the centre lined with such magnificent buildings that it has been called the finest street of the world here are the houses of parliament the university containing six thousand students the great museums and picture galleries the large hotels and so many fine stores that we seem to be driving through a long exposition the buildings are enormous some single establishments cover a whole block nearly all have five or six stories with stores on the ground floor and apartments above like the houses we saw in berlin the viennese live in flats and very few single families own a whole house how gay and lively everything is did you ever see more beautiful stores better buildings or people who seem to enjoy themselves more vienna vies with paris as the gayest city of europe its people are noted for their fondness for pleasure and their extravagant ways they are said to have more rich among them than any other city on the continent everyone lives up to his means and all seem to live for the day they are well dressed and fond of showing their clothes they are famous for their jollity and their love of music there are concert halls in every section of the city and the imperial opera house on ring street is one of the largest of the world as we stroll along through the well-dressed crowds on the streets we see many strange faces and costumes there comes a dark-bearded turk with a red fez cap on his head behind him is a light-haired jew from bohemia with two blonde curls hanging down in front of his ears while farther back are bulgarian peddling canes a gypsy from the lower danube and two greeks in skirts we stop a few moments to watch the crowds as they pass seeing hungarians and bohemians italians and russians 
armenians and swedes as well as germans and french and others from all parts of europe vienna is at one of the great crossroads of this continent and people of all nations pass through her wide streets one human stream of many races flows up the valley of the danube coming out of the orient and another from northern and western europe is always flowing down a third stream comes from italy across the low passes of the austrian alps on its way to and from russia and germany by way of bohemia the elbe and oder and others flow down from east russia and germany it was its situation at the junction of these great streams that first started vienna even in the middle ages it was considered a good place for commerce and trade and of late years railroads have been built out from it in every direction so that it is now connected by steel tracks with all other parts of europe today fast express trains will take you from here to berlin or to rome or by the famous orient express you may almost fly to paris or constantinople vienna is also the centre of the austro-hungarian monarchy and as such is the supply point for a large part of the trade of its fifty millions of people but let us take a stroll out to the prater the chief pleasure grounds of this pleasure-loving city it is a great forest park embraced in the arms of the danube and reached by bridges filled with foot passengers and vehicles going over and back the prater has about four thousand acres of oaks ash chestnuts and elms the branches of which meet over its driveways and shut out the sun it has lakes and canals and velvety lawns and shady nooks with seats under the trees formerly it had many tame deer which ran about through the woods and allowed the children to pet them but here we are just inside the park how crowded it is and how all are enjoying themselves we are hustled this way and that by the good-natured people who beg our pardon in german for rubbing against us we say bitte which as they understand means it does not matter and go along with them soon we come to a part of the grounds where there are more shows for children than at coney island and atlantic city combined and we are glad of the fun after our hard study and travel we take rides upon the wooden horses lions elephants and camels of the merry-go-rounds we fly about on the roller coaster railroads we slide down chutes like lightning and see so many peep shows punch and judies and other things that we are almost distracted then there are donkeys to ride and so many goat and dog carriages to drive that we can't try them all although the fare in most cases is only five kreutzers or about two cents of our money we see many little austrians picnicking under the trees and watch boys and girls with their mothers eating at the restaurants while they listen to the music of the bands we look in at the concert hall where hundreds are dancing and take a free plunge into the city baths where more than a thousand can wash themselves at one time we then go to the haupt allee to watch the splendid carriages of the rich who drive there every evening and then walk out and take the street cars back to our hotel another day is spent in the belvedere picture gallery the great museums and the imperial library one of the largest of the world we visit the emperor's palace and linger long in the treasure vaults carefully watched by the guards for here spread out in cases before our eyes separated from us only by plates of glass are some of the most valuable diamonds pearls and other precious stones that have ever been found 
among them is the florentine diamond that charles the bold lost on the battlefield of granson in fourteen seventy six it was picked up by a swiss soldier who thought it a piece of glass and sold it to a merchant of Bern for two dollars and a half although it is now valued at one hundred twenty five thousand dollars near this diamond is an emerald which weighs almost three thousand carats and in the cases about us are so many necklaces crowns and other things set with diamonds that our eyes are dazzled by them and we wonder if we have not by mistake got into the cave of aladdin and look about for the lamp to rub our way out there are cups vases and basins of gold beautifully carved the crown of charlemagne the sword of harun al-rashid a persian ruler who figures in the arabian nights and also the silver cradle set with jewels in which napoleon's little son the king of rome lay when a baby the cradle weighs five hundred pounds and we wonder if the nurse did not grow tired rocking it when the little king was fretful over cutting his teeth we climb to the top of the great cathedral of st stephen's for a look over vienna the spire is four hundred and fifty feet high and we have a grand view of the city and its surroundings below us lie many of the battlefields of the past we look over the wooded hills in the distance and see the wide danube spotted with shipping flowing amongst them the forests we are told once came clear to the square in which the church stands and beside one of the buildings upon it there is a stump protected by iron bands which once marked the limit of those great woods of the past it is called the iron stick and its surface is studded with nails driven in by the locksmiths of vienna each smith had the right to put in a nail upon leaving the city after which it was supposed he would have the protection of the spirits and be lucky coming out of the cathedral we walk through the graben one of the oldest streets of vienna and its chief shopping section the stores have plate-glass windows in which are displayed all sorts of beautiful things made of leather ivory silver and gold there are quantities of fine china and cut glass and almost as many knick-knacks and notions as we saw on the boulevards of paris vienna is noted for its novelties it weaves silks cottons and woolens has great works in which machines of many kinds are turned out and it has factories of almost every description the people manufacture many things in their homes and we notice that the lives of the poorer classes are by no means all play the women do as much work as the men they wait upon us in the stores they are the cashiers of the restaurants and while we eat and drink our ears are delighted by bands of female musicians the austrian women do all sorts of work in the factories and in vienna itself we sometimes see them pushing loaded wheelbarrows through the streets and even carrying bricks and mortar on their shoulders up ladders to the masons on the new buildings they have long hours and receive less wages than the men among the most beautiful things in the stores of vienna are the various kinds of bohemian glassware and jewelry including opals and garnets the opals are from hungary and the garnets are so cheap that we ask where they come from and are told that they are mined in bohemia not far from prague garnets are precious stones which lie in the earth mixed with gravel in gathering them the dirt is first washed off and the stones are then sorted by running them through sieves after this they are cut much as we saw them cutting diamonds in amsterdam save that emery paste instead of diamond dust is put on the revolving 
grinding plates the garnets are fastened to sticks with cement and are held against the plates in such a way that many sides or facets are cut in them the most beautiful are of a bright red color although white yellow green and black garnets are found during our stay in vienna we take many excursions to the suburbs visiting among other places the emperor's summer palace at schoenbrunn where napoleon bonaparte had his headquarters when he besieged vienna and made it surrender the garden and park are both beautiful there are long avenues broken by statues and fountains and the whole looks more like fairyland than sober nature every tree has been cut and trimmed into some curious form at one place there is a wall of green fifty feet high as smooth as though it were made by a sculptor and in others are trees of all shapes End of chapter twenty nine